It is Locked On Jazz for the 11th of August. A reminder that Rudy Gobert's really, really good, and therefore we will be too. What does Hassan Whiteside bring in his backup position? We're just talking seven-footers. And the end of the roster, what is there to expect? Plus, the preseason is set and right around the corner. It's all coming up on Locked On Jazz. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We are free and on all platforms now on YouTube. Subscribe at Locked on Jazz on YouTube. Also available Locked on Jazz and all your podcasting platforms. Preseason schedules out, and it's like right around the corner. It's August 11th. The regular season schedule used to come out on August 12th every year. I don't, doesn't sound like it's going to. They usually announce they'll have a scheduling show. Um, but the preseason is out. We'll open it October like 3rd. What? Like it's literally right around the corner. I mean, we're in the middle. It's weird. We're in summer league. And I saw an interview with Mike Conley the other day. And I was kind of wondering whether or not like these guys' biorhythms are are there with them to understand like what they have coming because um, the fact of the matter is like they're, they're about to play. It's actually October 4th. It's Monday, October 4th training camp. Therefore must open the week before on the 27th. So they'll have training camp for four days, get on an airplane and fly to San Antonio. And then two days later, we'll play Dallas and Luca before coming back in the next week, seeing Zion and then Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks in the final preseason meeting uh, before the season starts. We're literally two months away from the season. So camp opens in about six weeks and then uh, really last five, five, six weeks. We'll call it six weeks. And then the preseason starts in like eight weeks. And the regular season starts in about a, 10 weeks. So we're right around the corner for another season. It, this, And then we're back on schedule. Then we'll have our old offseason, but it's kind of wild. I, I, I've been listening and, and hearing and the consternation, and some of this is left over from before. I feel like we've all forgotten something. I, I just want to remind you, let me, let me take you back. We're going we're gonna to take you, I'm going to take you back through five, the last five seasons. Rudy, Go, when the Jazz have Rudy Gobert on the floor, in the 16-17 season, we were plus eight. And in the 94th percentile defensively. Okay? That was that was five years ago. When Gobert was on the floor, we were plus eight. The next year, with Rudy on the floor, we were plus nine. And in the 98th percentile defensively. Okay? This is when he's coupled with faves for much of this. Or for some of it. In the 18-19 season... We're plus eight when Rudy's on the floor, and we're in the 96th percentile defensively. 
in the 1920 season were plus six with him on the floor and in the 80th percentile defensively. And last year, we were plus 16 with him on the floor and in the 98th percentile defensively. Like, relax. We have Rudy. We have Donovan, too. And he's astronomically good, too. But, like, we have Rudy. Like, it wasn't surprising that Rudy's French team suddenly finished second. Like, you can't actually finish much better than that. And they pushed the 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 U.S. team pretty far to the wire. And those two missed free throws are a bummer. But, like, he's not flawless. And there'll be a stupid phenomena that goes on here amongst our fan base for the next while that because he's earning 35 and 38 and 41 and 44 million will somehow decide we wanted a different player than what we've had for the last five years. But actually the reason we pay him the money he just got paid is because of what he's done for the last five years. Not because we're actually asking him for more, but we'll do that. We'll, we'll ask for more. And he didn't have a great playoff series, but he didn't have a great playoff series because he wasn't Rudy. We didn't have a great playoff series because we ran into a team that was able to negate his impact by playing a five-spread game and driving at our guys and scoring before he could impact the game. The exact thing the Clippers did was recognize how great Rudy is and then try to play in a manner so that Rudy could have as little impact as possible. In other words, if we switch all five things offensively, he can't roll to the rim, he can't play pick and roll because it's one of the best things that we do and we're one of the best pick and roll teams. And if they stop playing pick and roll and just spread the floor and play one-on-one drive, then Rudy doesn't vote. The entire game plan by the Clippers was built on how do we not have Rudy be involved, and they were the team that was able to do that. They're, like, Rudy's unbelievable. And by having Rudy, we win games. Like, when every power ranking season prediction comes out this year, it's going to be this, like, little mini expose exposing NBA analysts on whether they understand the game or not. Like, or whether they're so, like, impacted by recency bias of a single playoff series to not understand what's going on. So Rudy makes the final five of the Olympics because he was one of the five best players in the world that was playing in the Olympics the same way that he has as big an impact. He's not one of the five best players in the world. I've pushed this point about, like, him being top 10, top 15. I still believe that. But his impact that I just ran down for you there's probably not five players in the league who automatically, or at least for five of the last six years, I bet you if I take it back to the even one more year past that to 15, 16, when he really started playing, that we would have we could have the same impact here as well. In the 15, 16 season, we were plus five. He's in the 86th percentile defensively. There's not a player in the league whose presence immediately puts his team in the 85th or above percentile while they're on the floor in either offense or defense, other than probably Rudy. I'd have to go back and look, I'd have to go look. But I, I really don't think that you're going to have LeBron's teams are not in the 85th percentile offensively every single time. Giannis's are not. Jokic's might be. He might be that good offensively to do that. But that's the impact Rudy has. He immediately puts you in the elite on one side of the floor, which means we win games automatically because we have Rudy Gobert. We'll win a lot because we have Donovan too. But Rudy's presence means we automatically win games. And people, like, I think people are beginning to forget that. Like, I, sometimes I'll forget it. But, like, really, when it gets right down, you start projecting, like, oh, how are we going to be? We're going to be fine. We have Rudy Gobert. We're going to be fine because we have Donovan Mitchell. But we're really going to be fine because we have Rudy Gobert because what he does in the league 
from a day-to-day, day-in, day-out basis, there I am sure there are more than five players, and there might not even be five players who automatically vault their team into the upper echelon elite of one side of the ball. Now, are there things that in a playoff series teams can do to lessen his impact? Yes, the same way Miami did it to Giannis a year ago. And the same way that Giannis two years ago had some problems against Toronto. Like, I'm not saying that Rudy's about to become Giannis. Don't misunderstand. I'm saying that the greatest players in the world can get caught in playoff matchups where they struggle. And Rudy, the way you make Rudy struggle is you eliminate his impact defensively. And if you want to complain, then you, well, he's not a good enough offensive player. Nah, you're right. He doesn't have a lot of offensive skills because, and if he did have those offensive skills, then you'd have the greatest defensive player in the world as an all-star offensively, and he'd be the best single player in all of the NBA by a huge margin. Like, that's really what you're asking him to be when you start to add that, instead of just accepting the brilliance of what he brings every moment. Are there, you know, would it be nice if 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 they switch one through five, Rudy went in the post and a smaller guy on him? Yeah, he also is, the reason he's not very good at that is because he's so long and so mobile and so agile, he doesn't have the most powerful lower body base. And so part of me concerned that if you started getting that lower body base, then all of a sudden he's not got the second jump. He doesn't have the second movement. He's not being able to take off guard two guys at once. Some of the things that make him great are also the same things that make it difficult for him on the offensive end. The bottom line of this is not some big critique of Rudy. I'm just listening to some absurdity. And I think people have forgotten, like by having Rudy, you're great. Simple as that. And we'll be great next year because we have Rudy. And, you know, does it mean you're going to win a title? Probably not. But there's a lot of great players. Like, there's just there's nothing that means you're going to win a title. Like, I'm pretty big in this belief right now that, like, there's going to be eight or nine teams that have, like, a 15% chance. And if things line up for you, you win the title. Like, I don't know that we win the title. But if we had Phoenix's route, just happenstance you know we did an injured lakers team followed by denver where they can't pull rudy off the floor followed by phoenix where deandre ayton has to play followed by milwaukee plays bigs those are better matchups than the clippers would have milwaukee gone five wide and played Giannis at the center probably like teams are going to do this the game's heading in this direction and this is going to be the bugaboo the bugaboo that his presence puts you in the game where you're trying to get to the title and then some weaknesses start to get exposed as happens to every player in the NBA on their journey to trying to win a title. That's really what I'm telling you. So anyway, I just thought we'd forgotten it. And it didn't surprise me at all that Rudy's on the French team and they're playing the U.S. for the gold medal because of Rudy. Like, right? And then Devin Booker pulls him out, drives on him and scores and everyone goes bananas. Okay, he's like... What are we asking? I think is a little bit of it, but also let's just remember by having his presence on our roster, we win a lot. And every power ranking season prediction for the next six weeks is just a litmus test of people who understand that or don't. There you go. Today's show is brought to you by my good friend, Steve Carter and Intercap Lending. Intercap has just grown amazingly over the last few years since they first joined us. I was looking, my first note about Intercap goes back to like 20 17, where they joined us. Um, I think that's right. Uh, Because in April of 2016, Josh Romney uh, brings one of the largest independent lending companies to Utah. They've been in business for 40 years and they headquarter them in Utah. And then they use their hyper-responsive, their 
great borrower experience. And the fact they're a direct issuer is not selling loans. In fact, they still have ours. And they go from like in March of 19, I had notes on, they went from two to 11 branches. And then by July, by four months later, it was like, oh, we have 15 branches now from St. George to Logan. To, and they just keep going. Why? Because they get deals done. And that's what you want in the lending business is someone who gets deals done. Now, our guy is Steve Carter, and he's amazing. You can call Steve at 385-885-28, 385-885-28. We've got a deal set up with Intercap where we have our own personal loan officer, Steve Carter, who does the deals for you. And the reviews are through the roof. The in- experiences of locked on people are amazing. Um, I've got a few I got to follow up on. You're welcome to just email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and I'll just set you and Steve up. He responds like within an hour every time. Um, Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Rather than reading another review, I'll tell you about my experience with Steve Carter. I've done two loans with him. I'm a little bit of a mess. I have two full time jobs. Um, I have a pretty hard time like tying my shoes in the morning and getting everything done like I'm supposed to. I'm also a little bit of a pleasure seeker. So like, am I going to put my mortgage stuff together or am I going to go on a mountain bike ride? Uh, I know what the answer is. And so I am maybe the worst person ever. And Steve's gotten both deals done with me and frankly deserves all the credit. It's really been remarkable uh, that he's been able to get that done. Steve Carter, Intercap Lending. You can call him directly at 385-800-8528 or you can Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Um, I, I always love, there's a great joke out there. Like you spent 15 minutes with someone and they say, oh, I'm glad to know you're not vegan. And you're like, how do I know I'm not vegan? And they're like, well, because we spent 15 minutes together and you haven't mentioned it. So clearly you're not vegan. I feel a little bit that same way about yoga and meditation. That like, if you're into it, you become so obnoxious about it that it's hard to shut anyone up. And I'm into both. Um, I think they're making all the difference in the world. And I want to tell you about Headspace. Um, But I don't want to be like that crazy zealot. But I'll just share with you this. Like, I have not slept very well recently. The coming back from Hawaii, um, three o'clock in the morning brain, worrying about stuff that's going on. Not not bad stuff, just life stuff with my daughter. My son's about to go to college. Locked on is exploding. The jazz season's coming up. Are we going to travel or not? Like, I got little things that are going on. Three o'clock in the morning, wake up. Last night, what I do? Last night, I went and worked out. And then I did two meditations. Then I actually read for about an hour and still I slept through the night. The first thing I heard was the six o'clock alarm this morning. Like meditation has helped me both just kind of get through the day. And I just love it. Like, frankly, coming out of it, I just love it. Like if I can do 20 minutes in a day, I just feel great. But the one I would tell you is it really, truly has helped me sleep. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and easy to use app is the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you out. Overwhelmed, three minute SOS app, need falling asleep like I talked about. It just calms me, clears my mind, reduces my stress, helps me sleep and boosts my focus. For a long time, I thought they were just trying to slow me down, which I'm not interested in. Now I understand that meditation is reducing my stress, allowing me to react better, boosting my focus, and it's been terrific. So check it out. Go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA for one free month trial. That's LockedOnNBA, headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. I wanted to talk about Hassan Whiteside um, and kind of see who he is. So my first reaction was probably the exact same as yours when we signed Hassan Whiteside. What? Like, he's been kind of, I don't, you know, whatever. He's been a mercurial 
person in the league. It's always been wildly talented, but um, he's seemed to me that like he grabbed an excessive amount of possessions at different points in time. And so I just was like at first kind of like what? Then we talked about it on Monday. I kind of broke down like, well, who else was out there? And Gorgie Zhang signed for money and Alex Len signed for money. So you're like, you got down to like Cody Zeller. And there was one other guy that signed for the minimum. Like, oh, okay. Like, I like Cody Zeller, but he went to Portland and maybe he went first. And I like Robin Lopez, but he signed for $5 million. So now all of a sudden you have a son white said, Well, there's a few things that I've looked at I thought are really, really interesting. So the first one is this idea that I actually had in my head that whenever Hassan Whitehead was on the floor, his team was worse than it was otherwise. That's actually not true. Um, it is true in the 17-18 season when Bam out of Bayou started to emerge, Miami was better when he was on the floor. And so then for the 17-18 season and 18-19 season, Wes Goldberg and David Ermill of Locked on Heat were like beside themselves that Bam out of Bayou didn't play more. All right, they were probably right. Like that he probably should have played more. Um, there's some interesting little things about like Hassan Whiteside when you start to look at him. And I really want to go back to the Portland year is the one that I think is the most interesting to me when it comes to Hassan Whiteside, because Terry Stotts's Portland team plays almost exactly the same way that the jazz do. They drop their big, they have a dynamic guard in Dame Lillard and they do some really, you know, they play some very similar ways. They played two small guards in CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard, the way we're playing Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell on the offensive side. And they play similarly on the defensive side. And so that's the model. What's interesting is when you look at his year that year, he was really good. I actually asked him about it and he said Portland was a great year. He played like 30 minutes a night. And then he did make this comment like he didn't hasn't liked basketball in a while. So Sacramento was clearly a bad experience for him. I don't love hearing that like I didn't like basketball. That's not great. But let's let's look at a few things. So first thing is in Portland with Dame and those guys on the floor, he was a plus three. They were in the 89th percentile offensively, just in the 36th defensively. Okay, so that's not great. If he was on the floor with Dame, which is what's interesting about him, is he'll spend a bunch of time on the floor with Donovan because the Jazz will use Hassan Whiteside in the same fashion in which they did, um, they used Derek Favors and let Rudy Gobert play his three stints. Rudy really likes to play the three stints. It allows him to play six minutes early, kind of five, six minutes in the middle, and six, five, six minutes late. And by the time he's done with that, he's got somewhere between 16 and 18 minutes and a half. And he does it again in the next half. He plays in shorter stints. He can play harder. He gets to play backup minutes against some guys. And it we killed people in those minutes last year. And Whiteside should allow us to do the same thing with him. When he was on the floor with Dame that year, they were plus four. They were in the 93rd percentile offensively. And that's a pretty, like his main times on the floor was with Dame and with CJ. Um, he... This was the year where they played Dame and CJ together. The other guys were like Trevor Reza, Carmelo Anthony, Rodney Hood, Nazar Little, and then and Whiteside. And they were really, really good offensively and not very good um, defensively in those lineups. On the offensive side, some interesting little kind of notes on him. Overall in the half court that year, he was in the 92nd percentile offensively. This is just a year ago. Like, I don't think something happened. Maybe it did in which he suddenly lost all this, but it's at least interesting um, to look at. He was in the 63rd percentile as a pick and roll man, 27% of the time. 
shot 60% on pick and rolls when he had the ball. It's pretty good. Um, he was a terrific offensive rebounder. And that is something that I asked him about the other day. Did the Jazz bring this up? And he said, yeah, like the Jazz talked to him about the importance of offensive rebounding. This is what Favors did so well. And we killed people on offensive rebounding last year. Like we really figured out, like if we can go get offensive rebounds, either finish it right away or flip it back out for a three that with our offense and its value, it's pretty outstanding. Um, he did post up a good deal in Portland about a hundred times during the season. Quinn has told him already, you probably don't expect that as much. And he uh, was in the 65th percentile. He has that funny little 15 foot jump shot he takes, which I don't love. He didn't do it a ton in Portland, um, but he actually made it a little bit. And then, you know, he really, it's an interest. He, he was pretty good offensively and they were very good offensively. He's not a popper. Like he played around with shooting threes kind of in a wild way for a tiny bit along the way in his career. Nothing, nothing like uh, the way Alex Len started shooting them a lot or some other bigs or Brooke Lopez or anything like that. But he did, sh- he has shot them on occasion as a pick and roll man, like in, Portland, he ran 65% of his pick and rolls as a high pick and roll. And it was in the 60th percentile on those. Like that's, that's Donovan Mitchell coming off a high pick and roll Hassan Whiteside rolling with a spaced floor involving Rudy Gay, probably our second unit or kind of mid second unit. So Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, like that's a pretty interesting, you know, it's going to be hard for hard for teams to deal with Whiteside at seven feet tall, rolling to the basket like that. Um, specifically in that year when he was with Dane, he did ran 1200 pick and rolls with Dane. They're about 1.02, which is really good. He ran 600 with, with CJ McCollum and he was 1.03. And then you get to the other guys. He wasn't very good. Okay. okay. Like, you know, he, he and Carmelo weren't particularly good. He and Gary Trent were fine. He and uh, Anthony Simons weren't very good, but he's going to run pick and roll with either Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley at circumstances or Joe Ingles. And that's a pretty good, three really good pick and roll players and should give, you know, some level of success there. I mean, this is where he's really in a position to succeed. And if, you know, if he can find the love for the game again, that he talked about um, losing and if he can kind of stay focused, which, you know, he did for a whole year in Portland, it gets pretty interesting. The jazz pick and roll with Rudy last year was 1.07, but with phase was just a 0.97. Like it wasn't good last year. Um, it was better with Donovan 1.01. Joe was only 0.94 with, with Derek Clarkson. They ran it a little bit was a 0.9. Bogdanovich wasn't great. And Mike Conley, who did not run it a ton with him, um, but was really bad. Mike Conley and Derek favors like a 0.7. So I think the jazz, you know, the, the, those numbers I had just a minute ago about what Hassan Whiteside did in Portland would lead you to believe that he should be better at that. So the important things on Hassan Whiteside, one, you're getting massive size. Second thing you're getting with Hassan Whiteside is you're getting the fact that he, um, you, you have a pick and roll roll guy. And then the second thing um, I do think that's kind of of interest with him is the fact that he is good enough that Rudy can go play his three stints. And that I think um, is really important. The other one I would just kind of, you know, it's hard to tell on-off stats are a little funky sometimes, but I don't think anyone's getting any shots at the rim against us. And if you kind of look over the last few years with him, teams last year, even in Sacramento in his 533 minutes, teams took 3% less of their shots at the rim against them than when he was off the floor. Against um, in, uh, in Portland, it was 1.5% 
down than what they re- teams regularly did. In Miami, it was minus. He had one the last year in Miami team shot actually more because Bam out of buy was the other guy, but he was minus three and minus four percent and minus two percent and minus three percent the years prior of his ability to just kind of be this massive player at the rim. And then if you look at his numbers, what he by having him on the court, what other teams were able to do was deny threes, which is exactly what we do. Like we play the simplest defensive system: drive him to Rudy, drive him to Whiteside now hug your shooters and don't help and see what happens. And that's really what we do. Um, and Whiteside will allow us to play it. And frankly, Derek had a hard time with that. Today's show is also brought to you. We're going to look at the end of our roster here in a second. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, uh, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar, absolutely fabulous. My house is loaded with them. And the latest built bar that they had out was Rocky Road, and it is no longer available. Oh, but orange, strawberry, coconut, mint, brownie, salted caramel, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and cherry bar. See, the nine basic flavors are there. You can get an 18 bar mixed box with two of each flavors, or build your own and get three flavors. It's all available at Built Bar with just 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four sugar. Uh, on the way, as well as um, 17 grams of protein. It's Built Bar, 130 calories, and all that goodness in it. I'll be having my Built Bar in just a moment as I head out to sneak in nine holes of golf this morning. I haven't played in a long time, and I can see the mountains again, so the air will be fine and my voice will be fine, so I can go play for nine holes of golf here today. Um, And I will be having my Built Bar along the way go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 that's promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off if you're going to get into the action do it with our good friends at betonline.ag betonline.ag is the best place to get your your sport gaming in they've got all sorts of fun from the horse racing to soccer to tennis to martial arts to all sorts of other fun props along the way and futures and players props and fun little world stuff and political stuff in the baseball world going on. Giants snuck by the Diamondbacks last night as they continue their way. They've got their ace on the mound tonight or tonight and they're minus seven and a half. Whereas the Dodgers are in Toronto, excuse me, that's the angels facing Toronto at minus one and a half. What are the Dodgers doing today? Dodgers play the Philadelphia 76ers. They've got David price and they're a game run and a half with an over under set at 10. If you want to get into the baseball action, you can actually do summer league, basketball as well as fun and crazy as that might be. They've got five games on the summer league docket for you today with the Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee leading it off and closing it with Golden State and Toronto. NBA future bets are all available for you as well. The player futures are up regular seasons and then various fun DeMar DeRozan's assists per games, DeMar DeRozan's points per game, Kyle Lowry over under seven assists. I'm going under in Miami. Over under 16, I'm going under. Lonzo Ball over under six assists in Chicago. Ooh, that's tough. How about Russell Westbrook over under 8.5 assists in LA? I think over, wouldn't you? How about 25.5 triple doubles over or under? I think over, wouldn't you? What are your thoughts on all of it? It's at betonline.ag. 50% welcome bonus with our good partners over at betonline.ag with the promo code locked on. That's 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. Locked on today's your daily podcast. 20 minutes, all things sports, up and down the sports world, updates and everything going on. Make sure you check it out. Uh, all right. End of the bench. 
Mia Oni is the first one. Uh, he is not guaranteed until J- January 10th. If Butler can play, he slides down a little bit in how often he plays, right? Because last year, if Mike Conley missed a game or Joe Ingles missed a game, then Butler would slide in. Excuse me, then Oni would slide in. If Butler can play, then when Conley's out, Butler plays. And Oni doesn't, like they don't slide Joe there. So Oni actually slides down the roster a little bit. Um, I think the first part of the season is going to be important for him. He shot so badly in the second half of the season last year that I think he's going to have to come to camp, play well, um, you know, be be under – accept, like, that, you know, his role is maybe diminished. That's not always easy on a third- or fourth-year guy, and third-year guy in the league. Um, and I think we'll have to see how he shoots it. Like, if he goes and shoots, you know, he started the year in the 40s and he finished the year in the 20s, like that's not great. So I think that's going to be a really big one to keep an eye on to see whether or not um, he's able to handle um, this role and how he shoots it. Uh, so I, I don't know that I think he's completely guaranteed after January 10th. He kind of makes sense, but really at this point, he's the 14th guy on the roster. Um, Jared Butler, I assume will sign a deal here at some point. His agent, Mark Bartlestein's a good dude. They'll figure it out. There aren't a lot of things for the Jazz to do. And I think the expectation for the Jazz is that Jared Butler will play the backup minutes when Mike Conley is out um, and play those minutes this year. That's why they drafted him. Um, that's what they you know, were needed, and that's what they didn't sign in free agency, right? Like I was talking about Frank Milikina, but you have Jared Butler, so you don't sign Frank Milikina, so you bring in Eric Pascal as your 13th guy, Um or your 12th guy and have him play kind of that kind of melded minutes that are available if you need them. Um, and now you have Butler and then you have Oni. Now I think the jazz are just going to carry 14 guys. Cause frankly, the 15th guy costs you about $7 million to have on the end of your roster with tax money. Um, and so Oni's position is really the one where if we feel like we have to tweak the roster or do something, you could change it. That's why I don't know that I think he's guaranteed. I mean, the guaranteed date is January 10th. And that's why I don't know that I think it's a guarantee that he makes it It'd be expensive to move on from him. Um, but it, it also, you know, it also would be less expensive if you remove him and then add somebody else. The 15th guy right now would seem to be Jarrell Brantley. Um, Jarrell Brantley signed the qualifying offer which gets him at 1.7 million or the jazz now owe him 84,000. I think it is. Um, but the problem is it cost the jazz like somewhere in the range. Of, I think I've done my math, right? Like at worst when I did it one time, it was like 5 million. The other time it was like seven. Like I think it's 7 million to pay Jarrell Brantley, like 1.7 by the time you're done with taxes. Like as crazy as that is for the jazz is it basically cost them that much money to have that 15th roster spot filled. And I, I can't imagine paying that kind of money. So Jarrell Brentley is going to have to have an unbelievable rest of summer league and then an amazing camp to be able to prove something that he has to be on the roster. We've seen it before, right? Like Joe made the roster. Royce made the roster. Um, there've been some other guys, um, who made the roster along the way. Like, you know, when Joel Ballenboy got cut and everyone freaked out, um, it, it happens guys make it. The other two at the end of that are Trent Forrest. Who's having a nice camp. He just is not a good enough shooter yet. So I would hope that we can get Trent Forrest on a two-way deal. If somebody else wants to pay him and offer him, the Jazz probably aren't matching it again because it would cost $7 million to have him as the 15th spot, which gets risky if 
Butler's not either physically ready to go or, you know, rookie point guards are not very good in the NBA. I don't care if they've won a national championship or not. They're not usually very good in the NBA. It's a hard, it's a really, really hard position to play. So, you know, Trent Forrest, frankly, was a rookie point guard last year too, and it's not that far off a rookie point guard, so it's not that big a difference. But he really plays the game well, four years at Florida State, understands the game, plays in his own. He just can't shoot great. He's not a guy who's, you know, we saw it as he played an extended period of time and scouting reports developed his effectiveness drop because teams begin to understand they go under every pick it just gets harder and harder for him but he is a beautiful beautiful player in in the way he can play I, i'd just be surprised if somebody signs a point guard that shoots 19 percent from three um or whatever it was last year and i think 24 percent at florida state uh juan morgan does seem to be the odd man out in this mix uh the jazz didn't offer him the qualifying offer and so this also leads to when you're watching these summer league games tonight like, and, you know, yesterday I'm critiquing them and the various things. Like, the fact of the matter is all these guys are playing for their lives, and so they're probably fretting a little bit, right? Like, there was the play I talked about where Jarrell Brantley came from the right side to the left and got his shot blocked and Doak was wide open. Yeah, right, but he's trying to prove himself, right? Like, he's not – like, I know the right play is to drop it to Doak for the dunk, but, like, he's trying to prove himself in this league right now and prove that he belongs, and you think to yourself you're going to prove yourself by making that shot and making that play. Um, so I do feel for these guys that like, this is pretty stressful. They're playing for their lives. There aren't a lot of roster spots open. Um, you know, Oni's done his Nigerian national team. So he's not playing and Butler's not playing because of health reasons. So you got Brantley and you got four, like every single of these guys you watch today, other than Doak are probably like, you know, having a hard time sleeping at night, needing their headspace to be able to get ready to make sure that they make the you know, try to get, make a living next year. So the stress level for them is about as high as any game you'll ever watch. And I think you see some mistakes they make because of that and probably have to be pretty understanding of that. All right. That is locked on jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it on YouTube. If you're watching there and involved in the chat room when the show's debut live, and then also uh, feel free to jump aboard uh, and obviously all on our podcast stuff uh, regularly. Thank you for subscribing. And tell three friends about Locked on Jazz. That's the best way for the show to grow. And you want your friends to be smart about the jazz and know the jazz too, because then you can talk to them. It's really nothing worse than being at a summer barbecue, talking to someone and realize they don't listen to Locked on Jazz. See ya.